Welcome to this week's message from Rabbi Kevin Solomon, Senior Rabbi of Congregation Beth Hillel in Roswell, Georgia. Beth Hillel is one of the largest Messianic Jewish synagogues in the world and provides a place where Jewish people can find the Messiah, Yeshua, Jesus in Hebrew, and retain their Jewishness. It's also where Gentiles worship and embrace the roots of the faith in drawing closer to God. Click the link in the description to support this ministry or to view our YouTube channel. Let's join Rabbi Kevin now as he shares this word from Scripture. There's only one found worthy. What a, what a powerful message. It's only, it's only him. It's only our Moshiach who atones for us. Baruch Hashem. Psalm chapter 3. We're going to start in Psalm chapter 3. Please, uh, and the beautiful Psalms are just so mm, amazing. If you're at all discouraged, if you, are, if you are battling discouragement in your life right now, my prescription to you from Dr. Solomon is read Psalms. Read Psalms. King David and et al. were frequently uh, kind of in hard situations, and he struggled with, with uh, kind of mental health, you could tell, and, uh, but yet the Lord sustained him through it, uh, and it's only through the Lord, amen? So King David, in fact, <laughs> perfect uh, example. King David was under attack. He was being persecuted, and this wasn't just a persecution from King Saul. That's bad enough. When King Saul was persecuting him, in this case, there was an attempted coup going on. He was already king at this time, and, and he was in a coup, and not just a coup from anybody, but a coup from his son. Uh, Absalom, absolutely so sad uh, that this would happen, but he was under attack, and, and not only was he under attack and the coup was going on, but also he was being just absolutely harangued and uh, spoken very poorly about by people and, and incredibly judged. Okay, Psalm chapter 3, verse 1. A Psalm of David when he fled from his son Absalom. Here's, here's his prayer to God, right? This is what he's saying to God. Adonai, how many are my foes? Many are rising up against me. Many are saying to my soul, there is no deliverance for him in God. Selah. But you, Adonai, are a shield around me, my glory, and the lifter of my head. I cry out to Adonai with my voice, and he answers me from his holy mountain, Selah. Mm. Wow, do you hear? Do you hear the heart of Melech David, of King David at this time? There are a few things I just briefly want to point out about that passage. We can see a few kind of almost bullet points about what's going on. Number one, uh, people are being critical of King David, and they're saying that God can't help David. Okay, so they're, they're criticizing him, and they're saying, ah, you're, you're beyond uh, God's help at this point here. There, there's no deliverance coming from, for you from God God, you know, whatever they said, God doesn't care about you anymore. Uh, you blew it, whatever. You had the kingship. You weren't paying attention. 
It could have been anything that they were saying, but they were real, really critical of him and dismissing him. They were dismissive of him. Clearly, other people were. Number two, we see here that David humbles himself. David doesn't come across as like, hey, listen, I'm all that, and, and, and this shouldn't be happening because I'm all that. No, no, no. What does the scripture say? It says he cried out to God. He humbled himself. He cries out to God. You, friends, we can't be better than crying out to God. Lord, help me. People, sometimes people come to me and say, Rabbi, I don't really pray that well. I don't, I don't know what to pray. I, I hear people pray and it's all sounds like a poetry and I'm, I'm not a poet. My, my prayer is not near as good as other people. And, and I always look at them and, and it's, 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 it's kind of a, honestly, it's, it's a misunderstanding of what prayer is and the intent of prayer. Let me tell you, I've, I've, I've often thought about this. Here is one of my very, I'm going to give you, you know, you, you, the Lord, Messiah gave his prayer, the Lord's prayer as a sample, and that obviously, I mean, top billing, of course, but I'll give you my sample prayer. Here it is. You ready? Here it comes. It's profound. Help! <laughs> wow. There's some deep theology coming from this rabbi, huh? <laughs> By the way, that is a very valid good prayer. It's you talking to God and being sincere, right? Help! <laughs> That's it. That's all you got to know. You think you can handle that one? I mean, uh, you, you, if, if you want, you can, you can try to make it cool and say it with a British accent or something. I don't know. <laughs> I don't even know how you, how you, you King James that one, you know. Helpeth me! <laughs> if you want to sound really cool in your prayers, try that one. Helpeth me! I don't know. <laughs> Oh, man, Jarrell, help me. Help me, Jarrell. I need help, brother. In any case, the point is, is that you got to cry out to God. you got to humble yourself to do that, though. He was king. He was king. He was king. It is good to be king, Yul Brenner used to say. No, 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 no. He humbled himself. He cried out to God. And number three, what does it say? God cares, and he lifted David's head. Do, do you see the pattern here that's going on? When King David humbled himself, cried out to God. God cares. He lifted his head. God lifted his head, even though people were dismissive of David. God lifts David up. People were dismissive. He cried to God in, in all humbleness. God lifted his head. My message this Shabbat is for certain people, uh, in particular, this message. What people? Imperfect people. <laughs> That's who my message is for today. People who aren't perfect or people who were perhaps dismissed at times. In fact, the more imperfect or dismissed you are, the more this message is for you. I remember when, when I used to work for the Coca-Cola company. I'm going to tell you a little story. I used to work for the Coca-Cola. This is an interesting story. I don't think I've ever told it, but uh, I used to work for the Coca-Cola company when I, after I got my bachelor's degree from Georgia Tech. And, uh, and when you start off at the Coca-Cola company, listen, it was hard to get into the Coca-Cola company. It's a pretty prestigious company, and, and it was like I really had to try hard. I finally got a job there. But my job was, man, bottom of the totem, bottom of the rung, okay? I was on the bottom rung of everything, okay? I was, I was low person, uh, almost in the company, right? Because it's entry-level 
uh, entry-level degreed position. And so I am so far down. A hundred, there were 100,000 employees in Coca-Cola at the time. I was so far. So anyway, so I was working my entry-level job, and it was very entry-level right out of college. And, and you're just trying to establish yourself. You're just trying to figure out how everything works in the world of life and stuff. And, and, uh, and, and I was working in a group, and in my, little, in my little organization, the group I was a part of, uh, I, wasn't a, I wasn't managing anyone at that time. I was just fresh in. Uh, there were probably about maybe 40 people in my little subgroup, uh, including our managers, you know, and so our little bitty organization within the giant 100,000 people of Coke were about 40 people. And how they used to do it, at, at, in my group at least, is that once a month they would have a team meeting. And the team meeting would be all 40 people in the organization and our little group would get together and they would discuss, okay, well, here's what we're doing this, this month, or here's a little training point, and, and so-and-so's got a birthday, and okay, it's a little get-together in your group once a month. And what they used to do is they used to actually pick different employees each month to be the kind of the, the coordinator and the leader of, of the meeting. And so that person was charged with deciding what would be discussed at that meeting, or if there was some kind of something special. They were just kind of just giving out little kind of pieces of bread, for, I guess, for the, the development, to develop their people, right, in terms of leading little groups and stuff, and, uh, and for a meeting, that kind of thing. And so each month it was somebody else, but the, but the person leading that month had flexibility as to what would be done for that particular month, okay? And so I had been working there for already for, I don't know, seven, eight months, so I'd already established myself a little bit, but I'm still, I'm still at, the, at the bottom. And so they said, okay, Kevin, you're, you're going to lead next month's meeting. And I said, okay, great. And, and, they, and I asked him, I asked the boss, I said, hey, what, can I do anything? I mean, is there anything? They said, you know what, you, you, you go for it. You think of something that would be interesting, um, and, and, you, and you know, we can do that. That would be fine, and in addition to the other things we normally do. And I said, okay. I said, can I invite a guest speaker if I want? And they said, yeah, yeah, whatever you want. Just, just you know, let us know. And I said, okay, great. And so then I, I, I walked away and I started thinking about it. And I, and I, I got to tell you, I don't, I don't completely understand uh, 100% why, but um, I was bold in the business world. I was bold. <laughs> I really was. I, was, uh, I, had, I had some chutzpah uh, in the business world. And so I thought, you know what? <laughs> What's it going to hurt? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to try something. Uh, and so I, there was a very strategic way I did it. I had a, I had a little kind of secret technique plan in my head, but I thought, I'm going to invite somebody to speak. And so I, I called and left a message uh, for the president of Coca-Cola to come speak to our group. Now, <laughs> now, you, now you have to understand, the president of Coca-Cola, there's 100,000 employees, y'all. Uh, uh, he's, I think, I don't know, 10, 10 levels above. I mean, I've never seen the guy in person, of course. It, it, they have their own cafeteria, all the executives and stuff. I mean, it's like they're busy people, understandably. I mean, uh, it's not a dig. It's, it's just the reality of it. So I called and I, I left a message on the voicemail for the president of Coca-Cola. said, I'd like to invite you to our team meeting next month. We're going to be, it was really, you know. And I thought, you know, obviously, I'm, it's not like I don't think I'm going to get fired for that. I don't think. <laughs> Although it's not like a guarantee, you know, what are you doing? And so, but, but I didn't say anything to anybody you know, just because I didn't want to, you know. And so the, the, a few days later, I got a call back from his assistant that said, 
Uh, yes, uh, Mr. President, he'd be happy to come speak to your group. And, and I was like, oh, oh, okay. <laughs> I mean, that was truly. And so then, of course, I go directly to my boss and I say, uh, well, I got a guest speaker <laughs> for our team meeting. Um, he's somebody that you know. And, and they were like, oh, okay, what? And then I said, and they were like, what? You know, and, and of course, immediately, you know, you see, immediately she picks up her phone and she calls her boss and, and, and uh, okay, so what happens is the next month, we get to the next month and sure enough, we have the team meeting and, and here I am because I'm emceeing, I'm running the whole meeting, I'm, I'm nobody, I'm just, I'm nobody, right? Okay, thanks for coming, everybody. Uh, oh, it's Glenda's birthday this month. Happy birthday, Glenda. We have a cake here for you, and, and, and we're all going to be doing some great things. Oh, by the way, we have a guest speaker for today. And, and, and sure enough, you know, there came, it was the president of the Coca-Cola company, came and spoke to her. And, and, and what, was, what was great is that, and kind of humorous also, I got to say, is because, of course, by that time, my, once I told my boss, they immediately disseminated it. And so at, at our little group meeting of about 40 people, there was our group of 40 people, but there was also uh, my boss's boss, their boss, their boss, their boss, their boss, their boss, their boss. <laughs> they all came to the group meeting because they heard the president is coming and speaking in my organization. So what, I better be there. I have no idea what's happening here. And so the whole row from me all the way to the president of Coke was all at this meeting. And they were all just sitting there like, yeah, we always come to these meetings. Yeah. Our... <laughs> but the president came, so they all came, man. They were like, what is going on here? Why is he speaking? And the president, by gosh, he was so gracious. I mean, he, he spoke to our little group of 40 people and, and he gave us his time and he talked to us and shared with us some encouraging words. And our little teaming, to me, it spoke volumes about our president, to be honest with you. I was very, very impressed. He later became the CEO of Revlon and, uh, and just an amazing, amazing man. And I was very impressed with the heart of him to come talk to all of us, especially when, again, I can't emphasize enough, I was just nobody. I was nobody here, all right? Luke chapter 19, Luke 19. Isn't that a great story? <laughs> oh, man. That was a lot of fun. I, I just never forget the reaction of my bosses. <laughs> Luke chapter 19. We're going to read, if you don't typically follow along with me in scriptures, you may want to pull up in Luke chapter 19. We're going to stay in there most of the message today. Let it bless you. Starting in verse 1, let's read about Yeshua going into Jericho, Jericho. Now, Yeshua entered Jericho and was passing through, that's right near Jerusalem, toward the Dead Sea, that's Jericho. And here was a man by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector. And he was rich. Now, it's interesting because maybe as you hear this, maybe that sounds good to you. And I understand uh, how it would sound good. Hey, listen, it's, it's, it's nice to be wealthy, you may think, and it sounds good to be rich. But friends, Zacchaeus was a tax collector. Uh, and, and I want to talk about that and help you understand that in the context of the scriptures a little bit. Because he wasn't just any tax collector. It says he was a chief tax collector, a chief tax collector, and he was wealthy. Now, that position, the position of tax collector, was reviled 
amongst the Jewish people of Judea in those days, and, it was, and the position was reviled for three different primary reasons. Uh, first reason is one that, that I think you can probably understand and that many people you can imagine, right? No one particularly likes paying taxes, right? I, I don't see anybody go, uh, unless you're getting a refund, say, yay, I, April 15th, my favorite day, yay! They said, you don't get emojis of like celebration on April 15th, you know, tax day. Uh, unless you're getting something significant back, which by the way means you paid too much. But in any case, the, the point is nobody likes paying taxes. Nobody, okay, and so that was reason one why a tax collector, this was a guy, he wasn't like you mailed in your check to the IRS office. No, no, no. He came, he came coming by and you had to go in and you had to give him your money personally. The tax collector, that's one reason nobody likes paying taxes. He was not popular. Number two, most of the tax collectors of the day were corrupt. Most of the tax collectors of the day were corrupt. So what would happen is that they skimmed money off the taxes for themselves because the tax collector had great authority. And so it's like, well, do I owe uh, 1,500 denarii or $1,500 in taxes? And no, your tax bill is $1,600. Why? Well, it's because uh, that's, that was my, uh, that's what I've estimated it to be. You're not going to argue with the tax collector and you're going to go, oh my gosh, all right. And you're going to give him $1,600. He's going to take his $100 or $200 off the top and he's going to turn in the rest to the, to the treasury. But he, this is how they become wealthy. I mean, the, there's a reason he's rich and it's most of them typically it's because they're corrupt and they're, and they're skimming off the top. Okay, so that's another reason why he is generally, the tax collectors generally are reviled people, uh, if you will, um, because people would assume uh, that he became rich from their backs, right? Their work made this guy rich. Okay, finally, although he was Jewish, uh, he was a tax collector for the occupying Roman government. That's the third reason why tax collectors were kind of reviled, right? Remember, that's when Israel truly was the occupied territories. It was occupied by Rome, uh, and, and they were under Roman occupation at that time and governmental leadership. And although Jewish people had some level of limited authority, it wasn't much. And, uh, and so here was a Jewish tax collector, but collecting taxes for Rome. Okay, so that's yet a third reason to, to not like this guy. Remember that only 40 years later, just a few decades after, they would, Jewish people would literally take up arms and rebel against Rome. That's how much they hated the Roman boot, the, the zealots with the, the great revolt. So a chief tax collector was symbolic of the occupation. And much like the Jewish Hellenists, he could be seen really as betraying his own people in a way. Because what he, okay, did you understand the perspective of why this position, although when although uh, he was wealthy, why it was it was not a popular role, if you will. Uh, this guy was about at the bottom of the popularity list among the Jewish people of the day. That's Zacchaeus. But there was something different about Zacchaeus. There was something different about Zacchaeus. He had clearly heard about Yeshua and his, assumedly his miracles. That, that news had gone through the land and his teachings were, were famous. And he'd heard about those, those healings. He'd heard about those teachings. And, and he was very intrigued by Yeshua 
as he had heard all about him, and he wanted to see him when Yeshua was passing by near where he lived there in Jericho. So he wanted to see, he wanted to connect eyes and, and put, lay his eyes on this guy who was so famous and, and who said these things that were changing the world. And, uh, and so he was, he, this is where there was something different about him in that way. And he did something highly unusual. Let's go back, Luke 19, verse 3. You, you may know the story. Zacchaeus was trying to see who Yeshua was, but he couldn't because of the crowd, for he was short in height. Okay. So what did he do? He ran ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see Yeshua, for he was about to pass through that way. Wow. Now, that's interesting. That, that's ambitious, y'all. I mean, that's, that's gutsy. That's... That's interesting on a couple levels that, that maybe isn't even seemingly obvious. I'll, I'll give you a few reasons to think about this uh, and what he did in a different light. Going, running up ahead, and literally climbing up a tree so he could get a view of Yeshua. Okay, first, you have to understand that as to become a chief tax collector, not even just a tax collector, but a chief tax collector, uh, Zacchaeus couldn't have been a particularly young guy. So he was long past his childhood tree-climbing days, if I could put it that way, right? <laughs> You know, I'd like to see all of us, or many, try to climb a, a big tree. You know, it would be entertaining, and we would need paramedics. <laughs> but there was something about Yeshua that he had to see. He had to know. He tried to see him, but he was not tall enough. He literally couldn't see over the people. He was, he was not high, uh, tall enough, but he was so bold and he was so persistent that he actually climbed a tree to see Yeshua when he was going to pass by. Wow, that's, that's impressive. That's determined. That's determined, y'all. Hmm. Well, did Yeshua notice this? determination in this man. Well, verse 5 tells us this. When Yeshua came to the place, he looked up, <laughs> Zacchaeus in the tree, and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. Zacchaeus hurried and came down and welcomed him joyfully. <laughs> I can imagine Zacchaeus up there. What is going on here? What is did, did he just, I mean, I'm just, he was up there just trying to get a view of the guy because this famous miracle working teacher who was changing the world and some people were saying is the Messiah and, 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 and he sees him and suddenly he looks up at him up in the tree and says, hey, Zacchaeus, come down. That tells you it wasn't just like, he wasn't just like a, a foot off the ground here in a little tree. He was up there. He told him, come down. Zacchaeus, come down. I'm coming to your house. Come into my house. Coming to my house, what? Zacchaeus probably wondered how Yeshua even knew what his name was or who he was. He spotted him in a tree for crying out loud. Think about that. That's awfully random. It's not like he was introduced to Yeshua at a networking event. You know, it's like, you got your little address. Hi, oh, have you met Yeshua? Hi, Zach. <laughs> this is Yeshua. You guys should get together. Hey. 
No, no, it wasn't a networking event. The guy was up in a tree. In a tree. He spots him in a tree. What happens? What happens? Is this, is this the end of the story? Yeshua comes to his house at the end and we move on? No, not at all. Why? Because although Zacchaeus, it says that he was what? He hurried down and welcomed him joyfully. Okay, so Zacchaeus was thrilled and he welcomed Yeshua with open arms. The people around him were not pleased. They were not pleased. They were not entertained. How do we know? Verse 7, Luke 19, 7. But when everyone saw it, they began to grumble, saying, Yeshua has gone to be the guest of a sinner. Ooh, man, I'm telling you what. That's deep on so many levels right there. That's deep, but, but... But the background, the context of the story helps to understand why they would have said this. There was a a real revilement toward Zacchaeus as a tax collector and a chief tax collector who was wealthy. Multiple levels. They didn't like him and and, and thought he was all corrupt. and, and, And how dare Yeshua go to his house? How dare he go to his house? Very, very interesting. Whew. Man, that attack came fast, didn't it? I mean, it says that Zacchaeus was like, he hurried down and joyfully, joyfully welcomed him. Joyfully welcomed him into his house. He was so excited. He thought, oh my gosh, he's, he wants to come to my house. He, I can't believe this. I, he, he, my house. Does he know what my job title is? He's coming to my house. Does he know what people will think of him? If he, he, hey, he's coming to my house. I'm so excited. He was clearly very excited. But man, the attack came fast. Sometimes, right, when, when, when good things happen to you, you get attacked. Sometimes the adversary just comes right in there, right? Who are you going to have? Who are you, you going to have? Whose house are you going to, Yeshua? Whose house are you going to? You have Yeshua coming to your house, Zacchaeus? You're nothing. You're nothing. In fact, you're less than nothing. You're a chief tax collector. He was such a social outcast in, in that people that they could not understand. Why? They, they figured that he was a thief. They figured he was a thief. You know, when, when you're taken off the top out of corruption, that's stealing. It's thievery. They figured he, was, figured, he, figured he was a thief and could not understand why Yeshua would be going to his house. And, and it's so interesting because, God bless him, Zacchaeus at that point immediately <laughs> begins to defend himself. <laughs> because he, he hears immediately the crowd grumble against Yeshua going to his house and so there is Zacchaeus just starts going on the defense and, and, and sharing about himself, verse 8, Luke 19, 8. But Zacchaeus stood there and said to the Lord, look, look, master, half of my possessions I give to the poor. And if I have somehow cheated anyone, I repay four times as much. It's so interesting. It's so interesting. You can see, I mean, well, what a transition from verse 6 
Zacchaeus hurried down and, and welcomed him joyfully. You could sense the pure joy in Zacchaeus. And then, boom, they, 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 they attack him. They attack him and they attack Yeshua mercilessly. Yeshua's going to be the guest of a sinner. And, and Zacchaeus is like, wait, 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 wait. No, 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 hold on, hold on. Wait, you don't know what I do. You don't know what I do. It's interesting because Zacchaeus, although an outcast, does reveal that he still knows the Torah, which is interesting. Exodus chapter 22, you don't need to turn to it, says that a thief is to pay double in restitution. King David in 2 Samuel 12 says that the thief should make a fourfold restitution for their wrongdoing. It's interesting, Zacchaeus says, listen, if I've somehow cheated anybody, I would pay four times as much. He's kind of He's kind of going back to, hey, listen, I'm, I'm following the word and, and, and the sages and the Torah, right? But although, although Zacchaeus was rapidly trying to defend himself, we know the, the, the vast majority of tax collectors was, were corrupt. So we really don't know for sure if he was being truthful. Was that the truth? And he was really trying to do these things well? Or was he just defending himself, making stuff up? We don't really know the answer to that. We don't know the answer to that. But what we do know is Yeshua's response to the, the, the criticizers. And, uh, and his response here is revealing. And his response is key for us here today. And I got to tell you, his response is powerful. What does Yeshua say? Luke chapter 19, verse 9. Then Yeshua said to him, to Zacchaeus, today salvation has come to this home because he also is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. Wow. It's so interesting because on multiple levels, that's interesting. It's like, when Yeshua says this, it's like he's not even interested in Zacchaeus's excuses or explanations. Zacchaeus says, wait, 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 wait. I hear what they're saying, but, but God, I give, I give half my money to the poor. And I, I, if I cheat somebody, I give them four times. And, and Yeshua's like, not even interested. Not even interested one way or the other. He's not looking to... to, to, to to be a judge in the matter and to determine, well, you have done this or you haven't been corrupt or this, that or the other. He goes way over this. Yeshua goes way over this in terms of principle. Yeshua strongly rebukes those who are upset that he was a guest in Zacchaeus' house. He strongly rebuked them. Those that were critical of him going to Zacchaeus' house. And his response reveals a few things. First, first, as a side note, one of the great blessings of Messianic Judaism is that you get a better understanding of the cultural context of things Yeshua does and says. That's just kind of cool as a side note. I want you to pick up on the, on the double meaning uh, of the message here that Yeshua says, because what does he say? Yeshua here says, today salvation has come 
to Zacchaeus' house. Salvation has come. Of course, Yeshua in Hebrew means exactly. That's cool, isn't it? So literally, today, Yeshua, whose name means salvation. Today, literally, today, Yeshua, who is and who brings salvation, has come to his home. That's totally cool as a side note. Salvation has come to your home. Yeshua has come to your home. We need, we need Yeshua. We need salvation, right? But as to why, as to why Yeshua comes to his home, Yeshua then tells us that it is because Zacchaeus also is a son of Abraham. Zacchaeus is also a son of Abraham. What what is Yeshua saying here? What does he mean by saying this? He's saying this. This is what he's saying. I don't care what all of you think about this man. I don't care what this man has done. I don't care how low in society this man is. And I don't care what you think of me for going into his house. Because today, this Jewish man climbed a tree looking for salvation. And I love all. And I came to to seek and to save the lost. That's what he said. Then Yeshua dropped the mic at that point. (laughs) My goodness, y'all, how beautiful. How beautiful. This is a seriously profound message for us, beloved. Don't ever, don't ever let the adversary convince you that you are so bad that Yeshua won't come to your house if you're looking for him. He will come to your house. But you don't know what I've done, Rabbi. You don't know what I've done. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what you've done. Don't know what that sound is. (laughs) Some of you feel inadequate. Some of you feel inadequate. Some of you feel unimportant. Some of you feel like you're not that smart. That you've messed up in your life so often. And you may wonder how God can even hear your prayers given everything you've done. You almost feel like a hypocrite even to pray. This message is for you. This story is for you. (sighs) By the way, guess what? As Tevye would say, on the other hand... 
Perhaps you're here today or watching and you don't feel like this at all. You don't feel really at all particularly inadequate. <laughs> you don't feel like you've messed up that much in particular. And although you'd never say so, you almost feel a little entitled to God's presence. This story is also for you. Because to fully understand the heart of where Yeshua was in this story, this is something so interesting that is so often missed. To understand where Yeshua's mind was when he was talking to Zacchaeus and going through this whole scenario with Zacchaeus, to understand where his mind is, you have to read what happened just before this story, just before he got to Jericho. Just if you will, in your scriptures, turn back one chapter, and it's and literally chapter 18 is right before he goes to Jericho. I'm not talking about years. I'm talking about from chapter 18, it says, then he goes to Jericho. And this is where the whole Zacchaeus story happened, right? With Zacchaeus, the chief tax collector. So what happens in chapter 18 is right before the Zacchaeus-Jericho story, right before they go to Jericho. And... Yeshua in chapter 18 shares a parable that was surely top of mind for him when he went into Jericho. It was basically the last parable, one of the, one of the last parables he told right before walking into Jericho and having this whole encounter with Zacchaeus. Now, if you read this parable, it will make the story with Zacchaeus come alive even more. So let's take a look at this parable in Luke chapter 18 that Yeshua tells, verse 9. It says this, Then Yeshua spoke this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous, while holding others in contempt. So here's the parable. You can see who he's talking to. Here's what he says. Two men went up to the temple to pray. One a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood and was praying this to himself. Oh God, I thank you that I am not like other people. Thieving, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week and I tithe on all that I get. Hmm. Verse 13, but the tax collector, standing some distance away, wouldn't even lift his eyes toward heaven, but beat his chest, saying, God, be merciful to me, the sinner. I tell you, this man, rather than the other, went down to his home, declared righteous. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. It's so interesting because literally the very next place Yeshua goes in Jericho echoes 
this parable coming to life. Exactly. Zacchaeus literally got up in a tree. Well, like a kid would do. That's what Zacchaeus did. Like a child would do. Who climbs trees? Children climb trees. Although he had wealth, Zacchaeus had great wealth. He was rich, scriptures tell us. Although he was wealthy, he was rich, Zacchaeus literally humbled himself to get to Yeshua. He humbled himself because he knew he was not tall enough and he could have just blown it off and like, I'm the important guy in this here town. What do I need to even see him for? It's, it's all hype anyway. And, and you know, I'm not going to abase myself by climbing a tree like a child just to get a peek at the, at the star. No, I ain't going to do that. I'm, no, 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 he did it. He did it, friends. He did it. He humbled himself to get to Yeshua. And Yeshua noticed him by literally going to his house. Man, I got to tell you, I was a nobody. I was a nobody. And the president of the Coca-Cola company came to my meeting. <laughs> he came to my meeting. And guess what, by the way? <laughs> I was exalted. <laughs> Let me tell you, no one ever quite looked the same at me on my team thereafter. Let me tell you, it did wonders for my career. <laughs> People treated me differently after that. They really did. But I had to be bold enough to make the call, you see? Even though I was basically employee number 100,000 out of 100,000 and was like 10 levels down from this guy, and maybe that undershoots it, I climbed the tree. How much more significant than the president of Coca-Cola is the Messiah of the world? How much more significant? Friends, don't think that God doesn't care for little old you. Don't think that. Don't think that he doesn't see what it is that you've been going through. Don't believe for a minute that he is too busy for you. But you have to be willing to climb the tree. King David humbled himself and cried out to God. He cried out to God. If Zacchaeus had not climbed the tree, Yeshua would have just passed by. Similarly, don't think you're all that in a bag of ruffles. <laughs> don't think just because you do good things that you deserve God's forgiveness. Don't believe for a minute that you're better than anyone else. 
guess what? You too need to be willing to humble yourself and to climb the tree. How cool is that? How amazing is God's love for you? How generous and merciful is our God? Because, beloved, salvation has come to your house today. The title of my message is Climb the Tree. <laughs> Let's bow our heads. <laughs> Praise God. Praise God. Praise the Lord. I want to ask if there's anybody who's here today who's never said a prayer to receive Yeshua as your Messiah, if you've never turned your life over to God, you've never said yes to Yeshua, but you want to today, lift your hand and we'll pray together. If that's you, if the Lord is stirring something, the Ruach HaKodesh, the Holy Spirit, stirring something within, you've never said a prayer to receive Yeshua as your Messiah, professed him publicly, but you want to today, raise your hand, we'll pray together if that's you. Oh, he loves you. Maybe you're watching online and you've never said that prayer before. Repeat this simple prayer after me and God will touch you. Say, dear God, I humble myself before you. You see how important that is? When we come to God, we have to humble ourselves before him. I ask Yeshua to come into my heart. I believe he's risen again, sitting at your right hand. Please forgive me of my sins. I'm sorry. I'll live the rest of my days for you. Thank you, God. In Yeshua's name, if you said that prayer for the first time, please send us an email. We want to celebrate with you. Or if you're here, see me after the service. Hmm. But also, I want to lift up those of you who are here today and perhaps watching online, where perhaps you felt unimportant. Perhaps you've been dismissed by other people. Perhaps you've made a lot of mistakes in your life. Perhaps you don't know why God would pay you any attention, or maybe you feel like you're a hypocrite even reaching out to God because of all you've done, all you've done. Well, this message is for you. Likewise, <laughs> if you really, 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 really just kind of in no way think you need this message, then wow, you surely need this message. If that's you and you've kind of been on cruise control spiritually where you've been thinking, well, I'm, I'm pretty good. I, the Lord, I've been treating people well and I'm kind of in, God probably looks down on me incredibly favorably because I'm one of the good ones. <laughs> <laughs> man we all need God's forgiveness both ways you got to humble yourself and climb the tree looking for him your soul has got to be zealous to get near the presence of God bring me near the presence of Messiah Lord let me let me be transformed more into the image of your son and that takes sacrificing and crucifying yourself in order to become more like him right Oh, Lord, help us in this way, no matter what angle we're coming from. Mm. 
let us be transformed. Lord, in the name of Yeshua, I pray for, for each and every person who is in either of those boats. Lord, I, I pray, God, that you, oh, I'm just so struck at the fact that you said, as, as was said in Psalm 3, you will lift our head. Lord, as we cry out to you, it's you who will lift our head, not us who lift up our own heads. You lift up our head, Lord. Why? Because you love us. It's not that we deserve it. It's not that we deserve to have our head lifted or to be exalted. It's that you want to do it. Why? Because we've climbed a tree trying to get near you. We've humbled ourselves and said, God, I just want to be in your presence. We've come to your house, and regularly so, and, and, and maybe watch online or or, or read our words or, or in prayer regularly or uh, even meet in Bible studies and groups. Lots of ways that, that we seek your face, Lord. Why? Because we want to be more like you. We want your presence in our lives. Oh, thank you, Lord God. Make us more like you, Lord. God, let us humble ourselves before you in that way. And God, let us never think that, that we're beyond your reach. No matter what anybody else says, I don't care what anybody says. It doesn't matter. Because if we're searching for you, Lord, if we climb that tree, if we humble ourselves, you'll come to our house. You'll, salvation will come to your home, to our home. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for your Yeshua. Thank you for your Yeshua. Thank you for your salvation. Lord, let this message sink deep into our spirits, Lord. We bless you for it because it's an encouraging word that no matter who we are, no matter what our social status is, and if we're popular or unpopular, or if people like us or don't like us, or if, we're, if we do good things, or even if we've done bad things, Lord, your hand is not too short to save. Thank you, God, for that. That's an encouraging word. Lord, we love you with all of our hearts, and we thank you for these things. B'Shem Yeshua. Amen and amen. Thank you for listening to this week's message from Rabbi Kevin. Please like, subscribe, and share this link with a friend. We would be grateful to receive your tax-deductible gift to further the good news of Messiah Yeshua. To make a contribution, please click on the PayPal link in the description. Also, to view our regular services, click the link in the description for our YouTube channel. If you would like more information about Yeshua the Messiah, or how you can become part of our Bethlehem family, please visit our website at www.bethlehem.org. That's B-E-T-H-H-A-L-L-E-L.org. Or call 770-641-3000. If you are in the metro Atlanta area, please visit us for an Arab Shabbat service, Friday nights at 8 o'clock, or Shabbat services, Saturday mornings at 11. God bless and shalom. Nine, 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 nine.